When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's a goal. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? Hello. So on the weekend where Kevin De Bruyne's goal and Mendy's bonus were sucked away by a scarcely audible clip of a David Silver boot, we're back and in perhaps better spirits this week as it seems uh, normal service was resumed. As usual, smuggling yet more points from cheap differentials. Uh, I'm joined by Nicholas. You're right, mate. You've recovered from the uh, wedding party on Saturday. Hey mate, yeah, not bad, thank you. Yeah, um, relatively good spirits. Actually, got some rest this weekend. Parents were babysitting, went to the wedding, um, went to our friend's wedding, and uh, got an extra hour in bed as well as the rocks uh, <laughs> went back. So, uh, yeah, all good here, thank you. Just to say who we are, we are Who Got the Assist, and you can find us on Twitter at WGTA underscore FPL. You can follow me at WGTA underscore Nick. And make sure to subscribe to the pod via Spotify, SoundCloud, iTunes, or wherever you like to listen to the pod. So what are we talking about this week? Well, I guess with the return of uh, regulation FPL, as it were, instead of fretting about what's going wrong, which we've been doing for the last kind of three weeks, I think we'll change tack and talk about the positives uh, for this year by turning the spotlight on the season-long men. By that, I mean not Shane Long or Kevin Long, Nick. I mean those players who have been uh, performing slightly strongly in each position and they're in contention to stay in our side as proper set-and-forgets for the season to come. Uh, Also, of course, talk about the features and, uh, of course, take some of the many, many questions we got from the community this week. Thanks very much for those. Yeah, sounds really good, Tom. So um, let's get um, those game week reviews done. A bit more positive this week compared to the uh, more recent negativity. So um, go on then, Tom, tell us a story. I know you're not boring. Well, it was okay this week. I mean, uh, I think during the Leicester game, I didn't have any Leicester players. I bent Soyonchu. Um, I was kind of thinking, okay, okay, I can recover from this because I've got Triple City on the Saturday, uh, Saturday lunchtime. I saw that Ben Mendy had got an assist for a Kevin De Bruyne goal. So I was in really high spirits at the wedding when I first met you, Nick. And, uh, yeah, it was a really good time. I mean, I, I saw that at some point, I think it was during the uh, during the wedding breakfast, you texted me saying, unlucky, mate. Yeah, my, my dad's just got a silver goal, which means you've lost your Mendy assist. I didn't. Uh, <laughs> I looked at my um, I looked at my phone. And I'd seen that Mendy had been taken down to just uh, just the clean sheet, and in that chalking off the Kevin De Bruyne goal, I basically that that second transfer. So this week I did uh, uh, Jimenez and Mendy in for Otamendi and Puki. In that kind of chalking off of that goal, that transfer basically went from a good transfer to. That I needn't have done it basically. It was really, really annoying. Uh, down to just a clean sheet for Mendy. Um, and I got kind of 56 points overall. I got um, assists from uh, Tammy Abraham, from uh, Mason Mount, from Song Hermin, Min, uh, and from Kevin De Bruyne. Uh, my captain, uh, Raheem Sterling, was actually the highest scoring player. So, woo, I've done it, I've done it right. Um, but yeah, no, my heart really beats in its cage um, in terms of the Mendy sort of situation. <laughs> like, just cause it, what, what it would have been, I'd have finally hit 60 points for the first time uh, since game week three, but as it stood 56. Six points and uh, yes, yeah, still outside the millions, Nick. So very depressing indeed. Uh, how about you? 
So, yeah, I, I felt sorry for you. I saw your score go from 12 to uh, 51 and then back down again after that goal got chalked away. But, um, yeah, I, I mean, I did pretty well, actually. I got 68 points uh, this game week. So, uh, pretty happy with that, considering um, I also didn't have the likes of Jamie Vardy or Ben Chilwell, you know, or Aze Perez. Some of these guys absolutely smashed it to, to come away with 68 points. Is, um, I'm pretty pleased with. There's only a couple of my players actually blank this week. It was your man, um, Callum Wilson, who I blame um, you completely for bringing him in. Uh, <laughs> and Ed Samori that blanked. Um, and Trent, but, um, everyone else did really well for me. You know, Sterling captain smashed it. Um, so I got a couple of, you know, Leicester returns from Madison and Sweensu. And uh, yeah, my, my goalkeeper, Gazaniga, put in a performance of a lifetime with um, a cheeky eight-pointer in um, in goal against Liverpool, which I was very happy with. Just, um, oh. just, it, made, it made it a much easier game to watch, actually. If I didn't have Gazaniga, I'd have hated that game with a passion, just the amount of shots being fired at the Spurs goal. But just seeing him in, just racking up the saves actually made it quite a positive <laughs> experience, even though we lost. So, um, yeah, I took something away from that at least. But, uh, yeah, it was pretty good. I'm quite happy with that um, sort of highest gaming rank of the season, actually, as well. So, uh, pretty decent, though. Um, I actually got smashed by um, my dad again, who's, who's done even better than me. He's done absolutely <laughs> ridiculous this uh, game week. Just absolutely smashed it. I think he's in top 20k now. But uh, we'll cover that in Dad Watch a little bit later. Uh, but, yeah, I'm quite happy, quite happy with those returns. So... Anyway, shall we move on to the uh, the theme of this week then, Tom? Yeah, that's it. So, you know, last week and the last few weeks, I said, oh, Nick, I feel so down. I don't know why. It was a green arrow. But I think this time around, I think we're going to focus on something a bit more positive. And uh, by that, I think we're going to focus on uh, the season-long men. Um, so now we're kind of 10 game weeks deep, and we have a nice round number in terms of the data set uh, to dip into and see which players in the premium, and to make it easier, but not premium brackets, um, how they're performing and what they're doing to give us some encouragement that they may be kind of you know, set and forgets for the uh, rest of the season. We'll nominate a, kind of a, a few players per position and kind of decide uh, which players we think at this point are nominees for set and forget for this season but Nick I, I guess first question for you and for us to discuss I mean can you truly say after 10 game weeks that these players are season keepers and in practice does season keeping ever work? I think Tom there are players out there that you're, you're going to keep all season I think last season for instance Mo Salah and um, Andrew Robertson were season keepers for me I kept them all year, they did their job for me, week in, week out. They're incredibly reliable, so consistent. that I just never needed to take those guys out because I knew they'd return for me week in, week out. And if they blank, it would be a one-off. You wouldn't see multiple blanks in a row. I never felt like I had to rotate those guys. So I think definitely there is a case for players within your squad um, staying there all season. And I certainly think there were a few um that we both probably have in mind, probably going to be exactly the same um, in terms of some of those players in our squads right now that we can see just being there the entire time and, and not having to change it up because often, and we talked about over-management in the past, often when you, you for instance, took out Sada, um, you know, it didn't work out quite well for you in the end last season. Often we do kind of get into these situations where we're like, oh, we're, we're kind of keen to shake things up and change things up a little bit and experiment with other players. And, and it doesn't always work out. Sometimes you can actually look at your current squad and say, you know what, why am I actually transferring this guy out? You know, when he's um, he's a top-class asset that we know can deliver in any game week. So um, I think definitely there are season keepers out there. But I think talking about season keepers, Tom, I think there's certainly... Uh, Smooth. I think, in that, I think it's in terms of that goalkeeping position. I've been looking at the numbers and stuff. 
it's just a pot shot really isn't it in terms of who you pick there's no one really standing out in that goalkeeping category I know um, Nick Pope was sort of like a popular pick at the beginning of the season uh, by yourself and others but he kind of just is in the middle of the pack so no one really is uh, shining brightly I mean uh, Edison perhaps if you want to go for pure points he would probably be the one that would score the most over the course of the season but in terms of value he's, he's a lot more expensive than these 4.5 4.4 so he's not actually necessarily the best value pick um, in that position anyway and um, for me there are obviously some Manchester City um, assets out there in defence now that are cheaper than him that are probably better picks so I, I wouldn't really recommend Edison as sort of the best goalkeeper to have. No, definitely not. Like, um, I think the dearth of clean sheets this year has really been a bit of an issue. So, Edison's the top keeper, as you say. And uh, actually, last season, Edison was the top uh, keeper as well at this point. Uh, game week 10, Edison was the top-scoring goalkeeper. He had 57 points at this time. At the moment, he's got 44, which just kind of shows the absence of those clean sheets having a real impact on the keepers. Uh, Cheap-wise, last year, Patricio had uh, 44 points. Um, and He was in the top 30 players. He was uh, 4.6 million at this point. That would be equal, actually, with Edison this year. So he'd be the top goalkeeper this year if he did that this year. Um, so it just kind of shows, I guess, that uh, this year there's, there's no keepers who are standing in the light field making us kind of think, well, I've got to get that guy in, right, Nick? I mean, it's, it's, it's a really confusing one. For me, like, I put Pope in at the start, the start of the season and, um, you know, he's got a 150-point season under his belt um, from a couple of years ago uh, before he had a horrendous injury last year and missed the whole season. And I think that he's just a pretty solid set and forget because you'd be expecting Burnley to get, you know, 11... Uh, 12 clean sheets, something like that. And the rest of the time, he's going to get saved, right? So I kind of think, well, just limit that kind of spend. What do you think of Nick? If saves, for instance, is what you want, Tim Krull's actually your man. He's the one that's leading the way in terms of saves so far this season. A sort of a, I saw a tweet earlier, I can't remember who posted it, talking about um, the best double act in terms of goalkeepers this season would have actually been uh, Tim Krull and McGovern. Um, if you wanted the maximum points over the course of the season. So, um, you know, it really shows that it doesn't really matter, obviously. Um, I think the one for me that stood out over the course of the season is actually Denders, um, Dean Henderson. But he's uh, he's been outshone a little bit by um, John Lundstrom in, in defence for Sheffield United, or midfield, we should really say. So um, I think um, Sheffield United have been very impressive with their four clean sheets. And I think... Um, He's probably the one that I would say if I was forced to make a pick. I obviously had to sell him on my wild card, um, mainly because I was um, um, the Manchester United game. He, he can't play, unfortunately. So um, I actually, as I said, I bought Gazaniga and he was only 4.4. I know that Lloris will be back at some point in January, but that's far away. And I just went as cheap as possible. And, uh, you know, this week, even against Liverpool, he, he delivered the points. So, you know, why not just... Uh, Spend as little as you can. I think that's my philosophy, at least. To spend as little as you can and invest elsewhere when it comes to the goalkeeper because they all can do a good job at certain points in the season and no one particularly stands out or is hard to predict as well. Yeah, certainly. I think like in, in years past, there's been a uh, you know, premium keeper versus the cheap keeper sort of debate going on. Uh, but my first impressions of this season are that there's it's not really a debate, really. I think it's just to eliminate kind of overspending that position and pull it forward. So um, this, this position is a bit exempt from the premium, non-premium thing that I trailed with. But going into the defenders, Nick, I think that there is definitely that sort of split going on. Uh, so last season at this point, uh, Alonso um, was a huge 
part of the RAM. Um, he was actually second in FPL with 72 points. And this year, again, he'd be second in FPL after game week 10. Um, he would be two points off Jamie Vardy, who's a new leader, uh, Ratface, leading the pack there. And cheap defenders-wise at this point, a certain Matt Doherty uh, was 17th uh, with 52 points, having risen 0.5 million um, from 4.4 to 4.9 by this point, uh, with many in the FPL community being the early adopters. Premium-wise, then, Nick, can we see past TAA and Robbo in those sort of premium slots? Like, surely it's got to be TAA, right? I mean, he was firing firing in the crosses like a chicken crossing the road in a joke, wasn't he, the other day? It's not particularly exciting to say um, Trent or Robbo, but I still am going to stand behind Trent. He's been a, just a constant attacking threat in every single game he's played and in terms of the statistics and the metrics I mean you can see it from the performances but the underlying stats also back him heavily in terms of his potential for attacking returns he's he's top he's joint highest defenders in terms of goal attempts with 12 um he's had 37 chances created which is 13 more than any other defender actually one more now than the Kevin De Bruyne as well and um eight big chances is Absolutely insane. Um, he's um, yeah, as you said, he's created so many crosses. He's on set pieces. But he's had 109 crosses, Tom. So I think he's only about five or six game weeks away before actually having made more crosses than some Premier League seasons in totality for defenders. So um, it's just unbelievable in terms of the underlying stats. I think Robbo does deserve a mention, though, Tom, as well. Um, he's actually um, had the most penalty touches. Um, than any other defender. And you can see it in their style of play as well. When you watch Liverpool, as you said, Trent loves a cross. He loves to whip one in. Robert actually does a little bit more of an attack and actually brings the ball a lot more into the box, tries to find space for um, a pass to the likes of Mane and um, or Salah. And he definitely... Um, will get lots of assists this season. And then he's had a few goal attempts as well, Robbo. So I, I do like both of them. Yeah, no, I definitely like them both as well. Like, I think Rob- Robbo is, is an interesting one because last year he had most big chances uh, creative and defender 15. Uh, but this year, as you said, you know, Trent is just absolutely ridiculous. But over the last four game weeks, he's made 49 crosses. The only problem is, is that the success rate is, is pretty poor. Um, so 12 has been successful. And there's definitely an argument that Robbo, as you said, is going to get those assists because I think a lot of the time with his crosses we saw last week, like he's going to be able to kind of pile them in and uh, uh, create more big chances with that overall but I can't imagine watching Liverpool without owning Trent at the moment because to the eye he's just so exciting and I think there's just in general like the expected stats and the underlying stats just bear out how good he is as an FPL asset like I think pound for pound he is almost the best FPL asset there is at the moment I know that sounds a bit crazy and you may be thinking oh is this it but um, you know you've got the attacking side to him plus the clean sheet potential which I think is really really big for Liverpool so I think I think at the moment it's got to be those guys, and uh, I think you know with the fixtures kind of really really softening after the City game in game week twelve, I think it's got to be those guys. But I mean, City have got to have a mention here, Nick. It's just the fact that there's a revolving cast of characters in that back four, or back five, or whatever the hell Pep's doing that kind of puts us off, right? Yeah, definitely. I think um, there's a certain City asset which I'm going to talk about a little bit later when it comes to the Nick pick, Tom. But I think um, for me there are, I think in terms of the premium assets is the Liverpool guys and yeah you mentioned the clean sheet potential they've been ridiculously unlucky and um, Tony have two clean sheets this season 
out of 10 games and out of those eight games, they only conceded one goal in each one. So it's just been very unfortunate that we haven't seen more clean sheets from them. But, you know, it's not really impacted um, them in terms of their defenders because uh, Robbo and TAA are the third and fourth highest scoring defenders in the game, despite only having had two clean sheets. So, you know, even though the clean sheets haven't been necessarily coming for these guys, we have seen the attack and returns. We, we've always talked about that dual threat. So they've still... Um, you know, represented relatively good value for money in our back lines. Yeah, exactly. It's going to be a bit of a room on fire for a Liverpool double defence assets when kind of a clean sheet comes in as well as attacking returns for those two fullbacks. I mean, they're basically almost an under Thames Liverpool at the moment just because, like, the midfield is all functional, it's all muscular, it's all kind of, uh, you know, sideways passing almost of uh, Fabinho, uh, Henderson and Wijnaldum that prefer their midfield free. So the creativity comes from those two guys. So you can almost look at them as uh, Neil Murray said on the Unwritten Rules podcast that those two are the creative of forces for Liverpool team um, and yeah I mean you know, paying uh, you know, under 7.5 for those two players is just it's very hard to look past isn't it so it sounds like for us the premium pick and the defenders the, the kind of a season keeper is between TA and Robert and it sounds like TAA is the guy who we're both kind of backing in that place and I think cheap is actually a an easy pick here, isn't it? Because it's our friend John. It's John Lindstrom. I mean, obviously, we're a little bit later to the uh, to the party than everybody else. I did say in pre-season that um, he was a midfielder who'd been slated as a defender. Um, but he's... Uh, a- Aaron Wan-Bissaka from last year plus, I think. I mean, FPL John was on his pod last week that he's basically playing with number seven on his back. He's an advanced midfielder who was a defender in FPL. I mean, that is basically the end of the debate, isn't it, Nick? I mean, I mean this guy is... Um, you know, we got him at 4.3, 4.4. People got him at 4.0. Like, you, you, you can play him every game because at the end of the day, he's got attacking threat and Sheffield United are competent defensively, even though they're overperforming in terms of SGC. Lundstrom, Nick, do you think he's the not-premium uh, nominee for defence uh, season-long men? Well, I think in, certainly in terms of his uh, performance this season, he's he's been brilliant for owners. I mean, uh, for myself, he's not been so brilliant with John Lundstrom because I've um, only had him for two game weeks. I benched him both times and uh, I've missed out on um, returns in the Arsenal game. And I've seen a lot of people see have this guy come off their bench and get them massive, uh, massive points. I've been a little bit jealous in terms of the uh, the John Lundstrom, Lord Lundstrom um train that's been going on right now so I think um, for me I think if I'm going to talk personally about my own team I've, I've actually um, quite uh, you know admired Diego Rico and what he's done for me in terms of um, the defence he only cost four million and he's been um, he's been getting um, consistent returns um, my dad's actually played him two weeks in a row and picked up um, eight points and five points in the last two oh, games so, uh, defensive behemoths he's, he's, bonus. Uh, yeah <laughs> well, it double, double nil nils uh, as we all predicted in these big matches against Norwich and uh, Norwich and Watford. But, um, I feel like I don't know. Just, just this guy just seems to fit the bill. I know there's um, rumours of um, when uh, that other guy, whatever his name is, Lloyd Kelly, um, comes back from injury that Rico will be dropped and, and won't play any longer. But uh, for now, he he does sort of sit hit the well as a cheap guy who's just going to be sitting on my bench all season occasionally coming in to, um, to play the odd game when necessary if I've got an injury crisis but I feel like um, I know it's a, it's a slightly different pick to Lundstrom uh, but uh, yeah he seems to be doing quite a good job and I could see him kind of being like these you know the other Aaron Wambasaka of this season just playing week in week out occasionally getting some nice clean sheets and bonus and the odd assist as well 
Yeah, exactly. He is definitely AWB, but I think he's just got that extra attacking uh, opportunity about him, which just makes him even better almost. But yeah, no, it sounds like kind of, you know, the defensive area, even though it's going to chop and change over time with TAA and with Lundstrom. I don't know whether Rico is going to keep that spot, but I think with TAA and Lundstrom at least, you've basically got two players there who are season-long men, aren't they? I definitely struggle to see a circumstance where you're going to take out Lundstrom. So if you've got, especially if you've got him in at 4.0, 4.1, um, and with TAA as well, he's just simply a season keeper in the same way that Robertson was for you last year. So I think that they're definitely players who uh, fit the bill with season-long men. But moving forward to midfield, Nick, I think that then we end up in an area which is a bit confusing if we are going to limit ourselves to one person. Because, I mean, in the premium slot last season, um, Eden Hazard had 75 points at this point. Um, he was 11.3 and uh, he was the top midfielder. Mo Salah, uh, 65 points at this point, And Mane was just behind the 63. And cheapest-wise, Nick, Ryan Fraser at 6.1 had 62 points and he was in sixth. So let's start off with the premiums. So Sterling, Mane, Salah, KDB, I guess, would be in mind here. Who would your nominee be out of all of those? Or can you even keep it to one person? Well, obviously, Kevin De Bruyne need, uh, needs a massive mention as a season keeper, and he probably is a season keeper in his current form. But still, for me, I feel like my nomination, uh, my number one pick would be Raheem Sterling. I just feel like... Currently, in current form, he's the best player in the Premier League. He's um, he's just so dangerous. You know, he's been not necessarily delivering in the Premier League, but he's certainly been delivering in the Champions League as well. And uh, after a few um, you know, few blanks in a row, he, he really delivered yet again this game week. And he just looks like the kind of player that you could pick, um, set and forget, pick as your captain week in, week out. In terms of the underlying stats, he's, he's got them all. You know, most penalty box touches with 99, um, just second for goal attempts, one behind uh, Mo Salah, but top four uh, shots inside the box. And um, yeah, and, um, she's created a chance every 24.8 minutes. I also worry about the rotation threat with Pep, and we always talk about this, but I feel like with um, and it's probably actually um, jinxed myself a little bit now, but I feel like with uh, Leroy Sane also being out the picture, that Sterling really is sort of Manchester City's key attacking asset and key man this season, um, who um, Pep's going to be relying on mostly for goals over the course of the season. And I think Sterling would be my pick there. I'm inclined to agree with you so far because last year, um, in terms of XG, Salah left everybody behind. I think his XG was about 20 and Sterling's was 13. Whereas this year, Sterling's actually ahead of him in the XG. Like Salah is famously kind of beloved of the stats fanciers. But this year, Sterling's got a higher XA than him, a higher XG than him, and a, and a uh, higher XGI than him. Basically, an extra goal. And he's underperformed that XGI as well. Just you know, as we know for the last few weeks, obviously, we've got a return from this week, but there's been a fallowness to his performances. And I think that's only going to turn around. Is it 12.1, I think I've got him at? Yeah, I, I think I can see myself um, staying with him all season. Um, but I suppose, I guess um, we expected them to be the Liverpool guys, didn't we, Nick? I mean, we expected them to be Salah and Mane. I think KDB, just to touch on him quickly, because there's no point in having a discussion at 9.5, whatever we paid for him. He's a season keeper, just leave him there until he gets injured. Hopefully he doesn't. But between Mane and Salah, Nick, there's a real debate going on, isn't there? Because it's either it's pick and stick your man. But for those who are 
kind of looking at these two guys. I mean, I was, but uh, early spoiler again, I've done early moves. <laughs> so I bought, I, I'm, I'm on Team Mane as well. I'm on the Mane mobile. But for those people looking at those two, Nick, who would be your man? Because Salah is absolutely destroying the stats as always uh, between them. But uh, Mane is uh, definitely very popular in the community, isn't he? Yeah, and I think obviously money is cheaper and that does have a big impact in terms of who you're going for. And uh, I think Sado as well, he, he has a bit of an injury. We picked up a little bit of an injury at the end of the game. Um, so he, he doesn't look like he's necessarily at his fittest. Um, I know there were a few doubts as to whether he was actually going to play this weekend as well and he missed last week. So I think there's obviously a few concerns there in terms of his, his fitness. I feel like... Um, you know, in seasons past, Salah was definitely the the man that was sort of leading the Liverpool attack. But I certainly feel like Mane could easily outscore him um, in FBL this season as well. And he was he was lucky to get a return really uh, by virtue of being on penalties, which obviously is is a good benefit of um, only Mo Salah as well. With the fact that he is on pens, uh, means there's always potential for returns there. But um, I think um, I don't know. I feel like for me, it's. Um, Mane at the moment, and it is um, it is a finance thing. I think you asked me the question before as to if they were the same price, would I go for Salah? And I said I probably would. But um, I feel like obviously with a few savings here and there, you certainly um, are not missing out on Liverpool attacking returns when you've got Sadio Mane because he's just got just as much goal threat as well. Yeah, certainly. I I just watched that game. Um, I know he only got an assist in that game, but there was something about his play and something about him that my instincts were just telling me I've got to get this guy in because he's about to get a brace. And obviously, I've doomed him to now do absolutely nothing. Um, but there's just something about every time he's on the ball and every time he's attacking, he's just so direct. He's only got one thing on his mind. I think that's absolutely brilliant um, in FPL. And I think that that team, especially with Salah being kind of dodgy or double marks or being taken out of the game. Mane is just the main man in a lot of ways and I think that for him being a little bit cheaper than Salah still I think he's still uh, 0.5 team or 2 I just went with those senses this week and brought brought Mane in for uh, Villa and maybe against City as well I think that there's going to be some uh, some real returns there uh, going forward just because he's just he just looks so dangerous doesn't he um, I mean he does have a few a fewer shots than Salah um, etc etc but at the end of the day he then he gets better quality chances so yeah Mane's the man for me there um, but what's interesting here Nick is the, the not premium slot I guess when people when they're looking at who's this year's Ryan Fraser be looking at Mason Mount but I mean you've got Mason Mount and you've also got James Madison Nick so is it between those two and that sort of not premium slot for midfield or do you still have a soft spot for Campwell like who would your sort of nominee be that? I think it's definitely Mason Mount out of those two. Um, I don't think Madison's done enough yet to um, be called a season keeper. He's um, he certainly um, you know looks good and uh, performs well in the Leicester shirt, but he's never really massively delivered. And you know it's quite um, apt of Madison to, to be the uh, uh, to nearly blank in that nine 0 thrashing against Southampton had it not been for what was a wonderful um, free kick from him. So I feel like oh you know. With Madison, I think the jury's out a little bit with him. I feel like definitely, um, in terms of my actual playing squad, he's a perfect foil for for not owning Jamie Vardy right now. So it's nice to have him, knowing that I can't get Jamie Vardy in with my current budget. But um, Mason Mount definitely for me is is the pick in terms of a non-premium midfielder. 
um, I just feel like uh, looking at Mount, he's essentially playing a leading attacking midfielder role for, for a club that is a premium club that should be full of premium assets. But Chelsea is not full of premium assets. They've got plenty of cheap assets, which um, makes Chelsea um, fantastic for FPL this season. And you compare like Mount, for instance, his price to the likes of Pepe and Ericsson and Son, and you just it just screams an absolute bargain. Um, he's also not blanked um, two game weeks in a row yet. Tom, so he's been very, uh, very consistent so far this season, and um, we all know that Lampard's got a, a soft spot for him, so he does look like he's going to be key to Chelsea's um, attack all season. Yeah, I mean, you, me- you mentioned Lampard there, and I think that these two guys, the M and M, the mate Madison and Mount, are both vying to basically be the heir to Lampard in a lot of ways. They're both off, uh, both a shade off four XGI at the moment. And I can almost see Madison overtaking with the fixtures warming for him, especially after Arsenal. Their fixtures are really, really good. Um, but the last four, I guess, the stats haven't been great for either. And there's been a huge XGI performance for many players, uh, the likes of Willian, Pulisic, uh, Harvey Barnes, T. Lemons, and the Jose. I wonder what's behind that. Um, but yeah, it's, it's definitely been very interesting to watch these two because they are the same profile of player. Um, Mounts had 24 shots, Madison's had 28. Half of Mount's shots have been in the box. 40% of Maddie's have been in the box. Um, uh, and also, you know, Mount's, uh, you know, created quite a few chances. He's created 18, seventh overall. Maddie's joined 12th. You know, for me, I've got Mane, KDB, um, and uh, and Sterling. So I've only got space for one of them, unless I go 3-5-2 or something like that. So at the moment, it is Mount, just because I think, as you said a minute ago, he's playing for a slightly better team. Um, but it is close, and I think the Leicester have definitely got the... I wouldn't We've got say the ability. That. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, yeah, it is close, isn't it? Uh, but between Chelsea and Leicester, I think the fixtures are also in, in parity. It's almost like a keep and stick or back your guy here. It's just that because Mount's slightly cheaper and they're both capable of the same sort of output, I think that yeah, he's a Mount's probably the guy. But you know, there's quite a few breaking through. There's Cho, I and mean, there could be Pulisic, Nick. There could be you know even your man Jose Perez from preseason. Um, your, your Ricardo Pereira moment was uh, Jose Perez, of course. Like. Now, who can you see breaking into this sort of area? Because it's quite highly populated. I mean, you've got even got um, you know everyone's favorite Pokemon, Yuri Tillemore, uh, who could potentially come in there. Yeah, I think it is um, quite a um, highly populated uh, category. Obviously, there's the likes of um, you know Daniel James, for instance, Manchester United um, had a pretty impressive start to his um, career, and even you know like much uh, hated characters like Richarlison as well, perhaps even knocking on the door in terms of the uh, premium midfielders. We've also got to keep an eye out for um, Anthony Martial because obviously he's uh, been out from um, injury for a little while, but I feel like. Um, Manchester United having him back really brought some spark back into their attack. And you can certainly see that he could be that talisman in that Manchester United attack. And, you know, he brought the best out of likes of Marcus Rashford as well. So I think he's certainly one that we do need to consider and keep our eye on um, over the course of the season as well. But I feel like for me, definitely, I think Mason Mount has proved um, that he has been consistent over the course of the season. He's playing for a, you know, very attacking um attacking side so he's um he's got that spot in my team at least in terms of the player that looks like he could be a season keeper of course you know it's a long season so he could be he could easily be out on his ear in, in three weeks game three game weeks time but at the moment he looks um pretty good 
Yeah, exactly. And not to forget that when Adam Hopcroft was on the uh, intensive transpod we did back in game week four, he uh, backs Mason Mount to be Lampard's boy going forward. And that definitely seems to be coming true. So, yeah, I mean, I can see those people who are doing kind of, you know, um, well, not those people, but I've seen quite a few people doing, you know, Mount to Cho or kind of Mount over to you know, Daniel James or whatever to free up some cash. And I kind of just think, why did you do that to yourself? Because you've, you know, most people have made a little bit of money in Mount. And I think he's, he's kind of got to that point now where he is a bit of a hygiene factor due to the ownership numbers. At the moment, the ownership is 37.4%. So anything he does is going to punish those who have taken him out. And it doesn't look like he's, as you said, you know, hasn't blanked to two game weeks in a row at all this season. At the moment, the signs are that there's, there's no need to be messing with this guy. Um, so, yeah, if you do own him, just just stick with him. I, I can't really see you know, a reason not to. I, mean, I think he is the heir to Fraser, at least this season. Um, but unlike Bournemouth, I mean, Chelsea probably are the third best team in the Premier League. And I think they will be able to kind of burst their way forward. It's more of those kind of fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh places. Um, you know, if Arsenal did have that sort of player, like an Oatsville player or you know, what we're hoping Joe Bellos was going to be uh, pushing that, then they'd be in the conversation as well. But because Leicester are doing so well, currently second, um, you've got to be looking at Madison and thinking, well, OK, but you know, it's got to be Mount for me, um, even though Martial, you know, the next few pitches for United, the next four are really, really good too. Uh, Bournemouth away, Bryson at home. Um, uh, Sheffield United the way and Aston Villa at home they could, he could definitely get returns in those games if he can score penalties that is but yeah um, it's going to be mild for me right okay uh, let's move forward to the forwards and uh, going down memory lane again um, Aubameyang and Wilson the joint forward last year nicely summarising the premium not premium divide they both had 63 points so Wilson started the season last season at 6 and uh, they're both top scoring forwards and they were joint fourth uh, highest scoring players in FPL at this point um, in the premiums, though, Nick, it's an interesting question, isn't it? Because there's a case that the premium forwards aren't really worth the money. Um, Aubameyang is uh, really struggling because Arsenal is struggling. And uh, Canaguero has the, uh, well, eternal rotation risk with uh, Gabriel Jesus. Uh, so does that widen the premium bracket, Nick? And does that mean that, you know, Vardy is worth uh, up for discussion? We've got a few questions on him later, so let's not blow a load here. But is Vardy worthy of that discussion in the premium bracket, do you think? Yeah, I certainly think he is. I mean, he's he's been. How can we say that he's not um, worthy of discussion when he's sort of the top scorer at the moment in the Premier League? He's just banged out a hat trick, and uh, we've seen plenty of people um, absolutely smash it in the mini leagues by captaining him. He he's um, delivering um, on a massive scale this season. He's played every single minute of the season as well. He's he's just. Um, He's just performing at the top of his game right now and um, certainly needs to be in that discussion in terms of the premium forwards. Uh, I've said in the past um, that I didn't like Vardy because I thought he was too expensive for what he offers. And, and, you know, I'll say that I was wrong in that particular instance because he's he is uh, proving that he is very, very good value for money in terms of what he's delivering. And he's um, certainly a captain option. So I think Jamie Vardy does, definitely has to be... Um, um, considered, you know, and yeah, as you said, it's um, it's been a bit of a fallow period for the premium forwards. It's all been about the premium midfielders now for for a few seasons. You know, um, we stopped talking about the likes of Harry Kane, for instance. We barely even mentioned him on the pod these days, and uh, you know, he used to be a staple in our FPL teams alongside the likes of Lukaku and um, Aguero, who obviously um, has been a little bit of um, rotation with him as well, and he doesn't seem to be um, as key to Pep's plans as well. So I think um, out of the forwards, I think Jamie Vardy does look like the best pick, at least in terms of the uh, the more expensive players. 
yeah, certainly. I, I just think with Leicester, there's, there's it's almost a vexed question, isn't it? Because the last couple of times they've really smashed it. They've smashed it with ten men on, with ten men on the field for the opposition. Um, and I think that it's kind of you know, what Leicester are capable of, um, but not necessarily what they're going to get every week. However, that you're you're right that Vardy is a capable of doing it. Um, and I think, as I said in the last pod, there's definitely a state of mind that needs to be observed with uh, owning Jamie Vardy, which is you just leave him there. You just leave him there for the whole season. You know, you're, it's like Eden Hazard. You know, you, you just kind of have to get away from the whole, he trolled me, he does this, does that. I mean, there's going to be games when you think, oh, I'm definitely going to get something back from him. We're not. And there's going to be games when you think, I'm going to get nothing here where he's going to return. You know, game week 18, game week 19, Leicester played Man City and, uh, and Liverpool back-to-back. Those are going to be games where you're thinking, oh, I've got to sell Vardy. But those are games where you leave Vardy in Nick because he's going to do something and ruin your clean sheet there guaranteed and um, he is that sort of player isn't he you just got kind of going to love and leave basically and I think that you know 20.8% of the managers now own him I can definitely see you know if this is purple patch and you know after Arsenal they play Brighton, Everton, Watford, Aston Villa and Norwich and the three of those five games are at home and that, that's uh, for me as a non-owner that, that's looking pretty scary. scary yeah very scary especially yeah. those numbers of those ownership numbers sort of amount it's almost like even though we neither of us own him I think we'd both if we did have this slot open for a premium forward, nominate Vardy as being that guy. The problem is, is that with Vardy, it means that you can't have a midfield really of um, of Mane plus Sterling plus De Bruyne plus have a backline of TAA plus maybe Robertson once a game week twelve is out of the way. Liverpool fixtures kind of brighten. Like it's very hard to have a balanced side with those sort of premium so I think that Mane, Sterling and Kevin De Bruyne are going to basically stay in my team for for a long long time now hopefully um, it's hard to keep that and the balance of Vardy unless you've got ridiculous team value like FPL Jossie does so I mean it's a tough one isn't it with, with Vardy Nick and, but I think that in contrast in the not premium stakes there's only one man who's come, coming through there I mean, he plays as striker for the third best team in the Premier League. Brother is named Timmy, and he's now the most owned player in FBL, and that's Tammy Abraham, isn't it? Yeah, Tammy Abraham was my pick. I think um, he's certainly impressed. It's a bit like Mason Mount. He's um, really done well. I think, you know, they've been massive beneficiaries to Chelsea's transfer ban. I think Chelsea as a club have been massive beneficiaries to that transfer ban as well because they'd invariably have bought three. Um, players that would have struggled to adapt and, and played week in, week out, whilst the youngsters would have sat on the bench and not got any game time. But, you know, they've taken their chances and he's performed brilliantly this season with um, eight goals. He's sort of second for goal attempts as well out of all forwards, um, second for shots inside the box um, and a top for big chances total as well. So Tammy Abraham, um, for me, I think he, he's uh, he certainly looks like a bit of a season keeper. He's now up to seven point eight million, so I made quite a lot of money on him as well um, over the course of the season. But I think um, I think he would be my pick alongside Mason Mount. And just feel like these guys you seem like another sort of set and forget at the moment. Um, so yeah, you know he's he's, he's performing uh, brilliantly so far, and long may it continue. I mean, I agree with that completely. I think that there's, you know, there's lots of men in the mix, you know, like Jimenez, you know, Malpay, Marcus Rashford, who's researched a little bit, even Callum Wilson, despite the last two sort of letdowns. But as our friend uh, Nando's Maldonado has said, I mean, this could well be quite a dull season in some ways because, I mean, Soslo, but, you know, Liverpool City duopoly we mentioned in pre-season as Legion, which means that free Liverpool and free City is going to be the building blocks for a lot of people. As you said, almost at the start of the year, uh, two Chelsea for cover and Mount and 
Abraham, TAA, Lindstrom, Pope, or whatever goalkeeper you go for. And that's basically the spine of your team, isn't it? it? I almost kind of see, I always think it's difficult to see past that. And I think that's been the same pretty much every year. But there, are, there is this kind of spine of players which forms over time. I think so, definitely. I think actually what's um, what's quite telling, I think for the first time since we actually started the pod, I'm actually seriously considering just burning a transfer this game week because I've got nothing to do with my team. You know, I don't have any holes to fix. I've got everyone's like performing well, everyone's sort of cheap. You know, I've got um, a solid bench as well that scored 15 points two weeks in a row. So there's, there's just nothing to do for my actual team in terms of changes. So uh, it's, it's, it's an odd one and it does feel like perhaps it's, it might be a bit boring. The fact, you know, you build your spine of Liverpool, Manchester City, Chelsea with a a smidgen of um, Leicester as well in terms of like likes of Soyuncu, who's another cheap defender that um, seems to be nailed on good value and, you know, Madison or Vardy or Tiedemann type character um, in your team as well. And it just seems like, you know, there's seen plenty of players that we've just mentioned that look like these sort of season keeper players that you can just keep in your team. You don't need to change them out. They're just performing well until at least they get injured. Yeah, certainly. But I, I guess in that, there also is opportunity. So if you are like me looking to climb, um, if you build your squad around those that sort of spine, like think about like a blank game week where you you do well if you have a decent spine of players that everyone else has got. So if you build your your kind of squad around them, it's about it's about those differentials. It's about the likes of you know Neil Moore Pay. I've got reason for highlighting him, which I'll mention in the transfers and captains. Owned by one point one percent of players at the moment. Um, all the likes of I don't know Raul Jimenez owned by ten point seven percent. He also coincidentally is in my team um, but only those little differentials and trying to make it work around that sort of core at the moment seems to be the way to move forward I mean, you can take the ballsy pick of removing somebody like that um, but the danger is as a non-sterling owner well this week that if his uh, 38.8% of owners is at the time of recording get points then your red arrow is pretty much guaranteed if you don't own him as well I'm just hoping it doesn't happen Jamie Vardy but yeah I think there's a good selection of players there and a good core of players there to think about and uh, kind of work your team around but I think it kind of throws in relief what we've said over the last couple of weeks about differentials and how important it is to get those kind of little guys in we thought this week it was worth talking about those guys who are kind of the spine of our team so yeah uh, let's take a break there and move on to the features in just a second who got the assist who got the assist so we're back and we're going to talk about features now. Um, this is our regular staple of things we speak about every week. It's the market forces, it's the over 30s, it's Nick Pick versus the Tom Pick, and it's the Dab Watch. Well, the Dab Watch is going to be a bit of a blockbuster today by the sounds of it. And just to start off though, it's the market forces. Uh, this is where we look at the FPL economy and figure out who the key movers and shakers are. And there's been a lot of movement this week, hasn't there already? Um, so who's been trying to get the deadline and making changes at 12.51 at night? Um, who's doing it, Nick? Um, who are the players who are uh, catching the community's eye so there's a lot of activity obviously in the forward line Jamie Vardy certainly has caught the community's eye with 360,000 transfers in that's just a ridiculous amount of people that are transferring him in obviously um, yeah that massive return against Southampton um, really um, really helping his cause um, with that hat-trick and assist he's now up to nine goals um, he's had six goals in the last four games, but they're obviously aided as well a little bit by the uh, the Ryan Bertrand red cards early on in the game. So it might not necessarily see another repeat of that performance, but still a lot of attention um, on Vardy right now. And his um, it's forwards being sold as well, Tom. So the um, top four players being transferred out are all forwards, uh, presumably all being sold for Jamie Vardy. So Pookie, 
um, is the most transferred out uh, player right now. Unfortunately, yeah, a lot of people still at that party. Just just leave the party, guys. It's over, I'm afraid. Um, it's been five uh, game weeks in a row that he's now blanked. And he's got Bryson up next, so a few people might still be hanging on, hoping for that return. But, um, yeah, it's, it's not been great for him in, in recent weeks. Aguero being sold heavily as well. Um, a lot of people being punished by him in terms of lack of minutes. Only came on for a 14-minute cameo. And this game week and, and missed the Crystal Palace game as well. And, uh, yeah, it's been a bit of a, a barren spell for Aguero after sort of absolutely smashing it for the first six game weeks of the season. So, uh, yeah, a lot of people um, leaving him now, um, proving too expensive to sort of carry in their teams. Uh, the other two forwards being sold is our, our man, Cadden Wilson, unfortunately. A couple of blanks for him since I brought him in. Uh, really not been great. And um, Aubameyang as well, another player I considered on my wild card, but um, opted against him and uh, proved okay to opt against, considering he's um, also blanked now three game weeks in a row. Yeah, I think mean, since uh, you started considering them, Nick, and since I brought in Callum Wilson for sure. I mean, Callum Wilson had uh, not not performed or not not returned uh, every game week until game week seven. Looked at him for game week eight against Arsenal and thought, yeah, okay, okay, I can do that. Norwich and Watford, two plum, uh, the two plum fixtures this year. What does he do? He blanks and gets a yellow card against Watford as well for his trouble. So three points in two games. Absolutely brilliant. Thanks very much, Callum, as always. Yeah, Pookie, I think you're absolutely right, though, actually. I think it's just time to get rid. I mean, I, I've long said that the story with him was when to jump off, really. And the right time to do that was actually after the City game. Um, but obviously, wouldn't have known that. I think it was completely viable to leave him in until, you know, the Aston Villa game in game week eight because he did have burn. League, Crystal Palace, and Aston Villa, uh, six, seven, eight. But um, after that, I mean, you have held a player now. If you are holding on to him and continuing to hold on to him, and over the last five game weeks, has blanked. And yeah, I mean, there will be a few people who say, "Oh, yeah, my faith was rewarded if he does do something this week." But the the fact stands that within those few weeks, loads of other alternatives have returned, and you've uh, lost value on a player as well. Um, so, yeah, I think it's definitely time to disembark from that kind of pooky party, isn't it, really? I mean, elsewhere this week in the market forces, you've got people uh, who have been uh, driven a bit uh, driven a bit mad, haven't they, Nick, uh, by that uh, razor blade of a Leicester performance against Southampton. Uh, Chilwell, Perez and Telemore, um, all in the top five, brought in uh, Chilwell, 201,000 transfers in already. That's absolutely incredible. Um, the uh, World War II fighter pilot absolutely flying at the moment. Uh, Perez brought in by 100,000, Nick. Maybe they've reread your thread from uh, from the preseason. Um, after that hat-trick, uh, loads of people have not been able to contain their enthusiasm. And the Tina Mon brought in by 83,000, who I think is actually quite an interesting pick. And uh, also, just to round it off, uh, Kevin De Bruyne uh, brought in by uh, 85,000. But you know, one man has taken the uh, taken the brunt of uh, those uh, Chilwell transfers in particularly and uh, got very unlucky this week. Got chalked off an assist and also then scored an own goal. Um, but you know, uh, last week you were a bit upset about selling this guy, but this week I'm guessing you're a bit relieved to be shot of uh, Luca Dean. Yeah, definitely. I think Luca Dean seems to be one of those guys that goes from sort of minus one to, to 15 points. So inevitably he will get a 15 point haul against Spurs uh, next game week. But yeah, I think at the moment I'm feeling like I am quite happy um, to be rid of him. In terms of his underlying stats, they're still very impressive. He's certainly a player that um, catches the eye in his performances and his um, attacking threat. But I feel like, um, yeah, I think, um, you know, looking at some of the Leicester guys, for instance, as well, um, I think um, I'm quite glad to be shot of uh, Luke Dean right now. 
All right, moving on then to the over-30s. This is the team that Nick and I put together at the start of the season and we're managing throughout the year, um, just based on the fact that we both hit 30 and there's got to be some life in the old dogs yet. Uh, this week, there definitely was life in the old dogs. They got 65 points, Nick, almost as good as you. Uh, they had a double clean sheet from Leicester with Schmeichel getting seven, Evans getting six. Going forward, David Silva, who got that kind of you know, Macaulay-esque ghost goal, which really upset me. <laughs> Willian uh, got 12 points this week for them, despite getting yellow card. He got a two bonus, scored a goal and got an assist. And up front, Jamie Vardy with a 20 points, uh, 65 points. Um, and they're 770k at the moment, Nick. Uh, they've overtaken me. They're 17 points ahead of me at the moment. And it's also at the point with them where um, actually their first 11 is really, really good. Um, so I, I'm not really sure, too sure whether we, we can make any changes this week. But it seems like managing with these guys, especially powered by that Aguero or Bamiyang Vardy front line, um, is going to be quite an easy job because you know they've got these players in the team who you would feasibly throw in if you were making a top-heavy team. It just so happens that it coincides with them being all over 30. So, you know, I mean, Nick, do you think that they're going to be able to do well this year? They're 770k at the moment. I think that all their players still have good fixtures. Yeah, I think so. I think they could easily just zombie their way to the uh, top... Um, so yeah, they they do look like a, a bit of a threat. I was thinking they might have had a bad week, what with Aguero or Bamiyang blanking, but yeah, the likes of Williams sort of pulling out the hat certainly impressive for them. Did they have David Luiz as well? No, no, I took him out um, for Matt Lawson a little while ago. I mean, next week we've got Aspiliqueta, Basham, and Evans as the back three. I think that's all right. So I'm not really, I don't, I don't really know. I mean, Otamendi was sitting in there as well. So I mean, the defense is pretty well covered, to be honest. It's, uh, yeah, it's, it's surprising how many players over 30 there are now, which is quite interesting. Uh, but anyway, there we go. All right, um, moving on. The zombies will return after the next international break. Um, we're going to give them a break just as I said in the last pod to give more time to the questions. But thanks to Jarvo and Kim Gabrielson for the sheriff's duties there, alerting us to many zombies to be boosted. And I'm just up and we'll get on that very, very soon. So much appreciated. Next bit is Nick Pitt versus the Tom Pick. This is uh, two players who reflect their personalities. Uh, Nick's is more conservative with a small C, and my uh, pick is more mad scientist. And uh, Nick, last week, you and I drew. Uh, you chose uh, Harry Maguire. You got two points. Uh, last, uh, the, the late goal for Arnold Hernandez knocked him out. And uh, my Delefeu uh, did nothing against uh, as a defensively solid uh, Bournemouth kept him out last week. Uh, so, Nick, who is your Nick pick this week? So, I've actually gone for um, Concello this week, Tom. Perhaps a slightly more maverick pick. But um, I really like this guy, actually, in terms of an FPL asset. I think it's um, time to start looking at him a little bit closely and um, considering him for our team. So, um, he's played three game weeks in a row. Obviously, there's a little bit of an adaptation period for him in terms of setting in with the Manchester City squad. But he's now uh, played three games in a row and he looks like he's displaced poor old Kyle Walker. And he's um, he's actually been performing really well, Tom, in terms of his underlying stats in the last three game weeks um, he's created five chances uh, two of them big so he's, he's, he's demonstrated that there's a potential for an assist there but he's also um, had five goal attempts which is the joint highest for all defenders over those three game weeks um, so uh, yeah look, looking a little bit dangerous and he's kept a couple of clean sheets as well I know he's um, called the likes of Mark Southern's eye who's brought it in and I think it's a good reason as well um, so definitely um, looks like a cheap way perhaps into that Manchester City defence though uh, personally I think obviously with City uh, visiting Liverpool and Chelsea soon. Um, I'm not going to be looking at him at least this game week, but perhaps after that, when they go on a really nice round of fixtures. 
Cool. Nice. It's a nice pick. I'm hoping that Mendy does that job. For me this week, it's uh, Pascal Gross. Uh, it's the second time I've picked him in my Tom picks. I've picked him in the first uh, game week of the season. But yeah, I mean, his stats have been very, very good. He's been flying on the radar. He's joint third for chance to create so overall amongst midfielders. Um, and he's also created the uh, joint third most uh, big chances as well. Uh, Brighton this year are a very exciting team. I'm, I bought Mope this week. Again, a little bit of a spoiler. Um, but I, I really like um, Gross. He's been uh, a little bit rehabilitated after last season being injured and out in the wilderness somewhat that first season in the Premier League 164 points and the likes of FFS as were really delighting in that and I think that against against Norwich he'll be the man who's pulling the strings and the man who makes it happen so yeah it's Pascal Gross for me but I like the pick for you Nick I think that, that could be uh, definitely one that could come home with 11 points uh, I, I almost got that this week as well so yeah let's, let's not go there let's uh, catch up with your dad this week Nick it's, it's dad watch so uh, take it away uh, inflict misery on all the listeners who spend lots of time playing their FBL teams compared to your dad's uh, travails so yeah I think my dad has actually been um, spending a lot of time um, looking at his FPL team a lot of time thinking about it and uh, making his moves as I said on Twitter and a lot of people um, want him to come on the pod actually and I think he's keen to give a little bit of a soundbite perhaps for next game week because uh, this game week Tom he scored 83 points 83 oh. points. Absolutely <laughs> ridiculous. So, gaming rank of 113k, overall rank of uh, 25k now. Um, just, just absolutely bossed it. You know, it was a bit unlucky to get um, to not get more really with Luca Dean getting him minus one, which could have been a five at one point. But yeah, Vardy captain Sterling, um, likes a Rico Edison in goal. Getting Vardy captain. Oh my yeah, lord! Nine pointer. Uh, you know, De Bruyne, Abraham, Mane. Rico, as I said earlier, all getting points. He's just, um, yeah, just completely bossing it. His, um, his transfer this game week was uh, Dendonka to Hoiberg because um, he wanted just to get rid of Dendonka because he was sick of seeing him on the bench <laughs> packing week in, week out. And he's been, a, he's been going for a five-man defence as well, which uh, seems to have been working relatively well for him as well. So he's... he's um, yeah, he's having a he's having a great time this season. Um, you know, really doing well. So um, yeah, I'll, I'll certainly um, try and do a bit of a mini interview, perhaps um, either this week or the following, just 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 to kind of get um, some feedback from him in terms of secrets to his success, if there are any. So uh, <laughs> we'll uh, certainly do that because he um, he really is bossing us all right now. Yeah, you know, I'm getting a. Uh, it'd be nice to get an insight into the vision of division I'm getting into the Harris household at the moment. Cool. All right, uh, let's take a break of a nick and move on to the questions. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? So we're back, and it's uh, time to catch up with the uh, who got the assist mini league. And I said someday I'll actually be able to do a proper league update um, and do it this week because uh, there's no Monday night football, which makes a nice change. And um, yeah, right at the top though, it is um, still Declan Rin with the Wesley Crushers, um, just absolutely smashing it again. He's overall rank 26th right now, um, second overall in Ireland as well, just doing brilliantly this season 79 points this game week aided very much nicely by um jamie vardy and um some other characters like your man neil mopay who mentioned and edison and also harry kane um, doing the business for him as well and Mo Salah. so uh yeah a few a few different picks out there that have seemed to have sort of delivered for declan this game week so well done declan um doing fantastically well this season um second those um mustafa kamel not far behind and 16 points behind with the winner team got 87 points really high score this week and um 
in third with 93 points was uh, Rui uh, Delivria. Rui de la Oliveira um, with 93 points. He um, he did really, really well. That's an amazing score. Um, looks like just everyone in his team actually returned. Um, and uh, he had likes of Ben Chilwell in defence as well, uh, doing the business for him. Um, in fourth, staying in fourth, was FPL Lewis, um, return of the snag. Um, in fifth was Kieran Screeton, pain in the vase. Um, Rakshit Chopra um, was sixth. With 74 points this week. Um, then in seventh, joint seventh was Mohammed Mahmoud. He's been around for a while, I think. And then Tarek Chatterjee, um, both on 624 points overall. Um, our good friend, FPL Chef, um, still in the top 10 as well, with Bean, um, having a great season this season. And in 10th is uh, Christina Hogseth with uh, Tante Bassa. So uh, well done to all the guys in the top 10 um, this game week, all doing very, very well. Sounds like it's uh, yeah, still hotting up. Uh, Declan uh, second in Ireland as well. And I'll be gunning for that top spot. Um, right, uh, moving on. A couple of things to mention this week. Um, I will be mentioning this up until the day itself. But on the 1st of December, Friday the 1st of December this year, um, it's the FPL London uh, Christmas meetup uh, with Fantasy Football Hub. Uh, that'll be at the Marlowe Sports Bar and Grill from 6pm. Um, we've got uh, Nero booked out. Lots of FPL managers are coming. Uh, me and Nick will be there. I'm guessing hopefully that'll be a reason for you to come rather than run away. Um, we'll be there from 6pm and it should be a really, really good night that sounds like a lot of people are coming already so yeah definitely do get along it's definitely worth clearing your diary for that one 13th of December in my event sports buying grill and the other thing to mention this week is I'll be on FPL Dave's live stream this week uh, on Thursday uh, Halloween and I'll tell him a story I hope I'm not boring but yeah that'll be interesting so that's uh, Thursday 8pm I'll be on Twitch with him uh, yeah give him a follow he's at, at FPL underscore Dave alright um, so on to the question this week Nick and we've got quite a few remove the zombie section so we can get more in. and where else but uh, the Vardy party to start at um, it's definitely kind of the flavour of the week with the community FPL DC crystallises this question is Vardy essential and FPL Flapjack says you know linked to that Leicester attack and Vardy are hugely outperforming their SG right now can we trust them I mean you know, I think this is pretty much centred around Vardy in there but you said earlier on you've got Madison and you describe him as the perfect foil for Vardy like are you worried about Vardy or are you happy with Madison and what would you say to people who haven't got a Leicester attacking representative right now. I think when you started talking about some of the fixtures, you have to be a, a little bit scared in terms of um, what they're going to be doing over the course of the next few game weeks because they have some brilliant fixtures uh, coming up and just a great run. And they, they did do look brilliant. I know you, keep, you said a few times Chelsea are the third best team in the Premier League right now, but I certainly feel like Leicester really deserves to be mentioned as well there because they... They just look brilliant right now in terms of their performances, their attacking threat. Brendan Rogers really seems to have a you know fantastic dynamic working with some of the um, the younger players in the squad playing alongside Jamie Vardy. So you have to be scared. It's quite interesting what um Flapjack said though, in terms of them outperforming their huge outperforming their XG. Um so you know, is it is it a coincidence? It's also worth considering that you know, when they won nine nil against Southampton when they beat Newcastle five nil as well, um, which Jamie Vardy's two big games, they were playing against ten men in both games because a player had got sent off. So, you know, that really did help them in terms of their overall performance. But um, you know, I've got Madison. I have to hope at the moment that he can cover Jamie Vardy. Didn't feel like he really did in the last game. Um, and was lucky to get a return. But, you know, at the moment, he is the player in my squad and who I have to kind of accept is there. I think it's more for yourself, Tom. Are you going to be um, looking at Leicester attackers at any point soon or are you just trying to get away with not having one? 
I, I kind of am at the moment, but like I, I'm drawn uh, strangely to uh, what always cheating refers to, like Callum Wilson as the truth, and it almost to me is that Jamie Vardy is that kind of weird truth, because he is the kind of player who every week, you, you know, you're not going to trust him with your captaincy, as I've learned to my chagrin with Callum Wilson, um, but Vardy is one of those players who, like. You know, the whole system of Leicester is set up for him. Brendan Rodgers, um, in the in article of The Athletic, when they described how he walked into the Leicester dressing room the first time and shook everyone's hand and stopped with Vardy and looked at him and said, I'm glad you're here. Before that um, Newcastle game, I had enough money to bring in Firmino um, and uh, our friend FPL Orsmo did not and he brought in Vardy. And it's incredible really to see the fortunes from that one decision based on based on money. Like, I, I just think that Vardy's one of those players who, as I said, you could easily kind of love and leave in your team for the rest of the season. The problem is, is that he's just that smidgen too expensive, isn't he? Like I said earlier on, because I've got that kind of power midfield with Mane, KDB and Sterling, it suddenly means that I'm one million down on jet, on being able to fit Vardy in. You've got to sacrifice one of those premium players to fit him in. Am I going to be able to go without that for the time being? I'm going to give it Crystal Palace and hope for the best. Yeah, it's a difficult situation. Sorry about the dog barking. I, I'm not, it's from over the road. It's, it's really ridiculous, isn't it? That poor guy is left out. Um, but yeah, I, I think we've, he just seems like one of those players who, if, if his ownership starts mounting up, he's going to be very, very difficult to ignore, isn't he? Uh, almost 20% now as well. So yeah, with those fixes after Arsenal, my lord. It's, it's a difficult one. I think we can trust our attack in the answer to, to Flapjack um, because... I think that that attack is uh, set up very, very well. Uh, you saw it kind of a microcosm of it in uh, the best they could do against Southampton. But even you know, against the bigger teams, I think they've been dangerous. And I think you can definitely see Vardy scoring in those big games as well. So it's like the perfect concoction for a season keeper there almost. Uh, maybe we should consider him a bit more earlier on uh, than we did, but I did keep it back for this question. Uh, but whether he's essential with a capital E, I don't know at the moment. He may well prove to be um, under Captain Hindsight's gaze. I'm going to go about him for the time being, but I'll be very, very nervy about it as well. You, know, you don't want to be nervous about a player. And I think with, uh, with, with Vardy, he definitely is one of those players who uh, could be uh, forcing his way into the hygiene factor reckoning before long. And uh, linked to that, I suppose, um, not very long ago, we were all looking at the premium strikers and thinking, how the hell do we get them in? Now it seems the sentiment is completely reversed and we're thinking, how the hell do we get rid of them? <laughs> so uh, uh, FPL Dare, Dean, um, asks whether Aubameyang is worth holding on to. And the Soccer Wiz asked the same about Aguero, Nick. So, you know, premium strikers, you've got a few questions about strikers and their um, sort of uh, impact on the template, I guess, uh, uh, a little bit later. But in terms of those kind of premium strikers, Nick, do you think they're worth persevering with? Or is it you know, game over for them to get in your uh, get in your Jimenez's, get in your Vardy's, and just kind of avoid that kind of uh, upper bracket? I mean, I certainly would be nervy about selling Aguero ahead of Southampton at home. I feel like that's the kind of transfer that could really punish you. So I certainly don't want to be like, oh no, get rid, get rid, because he didn't play um, the last couple of games. We all know about Pep and what he's like and who he picks week in, week out. Could easily be the week now. Um, no, Raheem Sterling doesn't play and Aguero leads the line and gets a hat-trick. So I do feel like there's a little bit of risk behind those sorts of moves. Perhaps I'd consider keeping him at least for the Southampton game if you do own him and then 
when they play Liverpool and Chelsea, used that as your opportunity to to move him on, maybe. Um, and you know, same with Aguero. Um, sorry, with Abamyang. Um, you know, I'm, I think maybe you do need to start considering. Perhaps he is a bit more, bit too expensive, and especially if you don't own Jamie Vardy. I mean, that's quite an easy transfer to make. And we saw in the market forces that it looks like a lot of people have actually made that direct swap. So I mean, it does seem like at the moment the premium forwards aren't quite delivering. But um, we saw at the beginning of the season it was the opposite, and the forward line, um, much to um, you know much indifference to what I said previously that the forward line was dead uh, we're really really smashing it at the beginning of the season so you know things can change quite easily within a couple of game weeks and Aguero and Aubameyang could be instantly in our thoughts again next week if they have really good game weeks so it's very much up in the air I wouldn't ever say get rid get rid get rid but you know you do need to look at some of the other players that are performing well and and really really consider your options there yeah, definitely. I think that um, it's one of those things that, I mean, just three or four weeks ago, as you mentioned, like three, four, three was in vogue and everyone was all about the strikers and moving money forward. Now it really seems that those kind of midfielders have emerged on the other side to being those uh, sort of uh, much sought after players. And you know, I fully agree with the impulses, which links to the next question, actually, because I think they're a lot more kind of interesting because I mean, Aubameyang with Aguero, it's a real manager's choice, the same as going with a Doherty or going with a Pereira at the back. You're making that kind of luxury differential transfer to bring that guy in or keep that guy um, at the expense of uh, where the highly owned players are. And I guess the next question is, is linked to this, as I mentioned, because you know, Kaz has said, well, actually, the strike's gone off the boil. So it's time for a 3 5 2 um, featuring um, in, in your team, you've got a very, 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 very similar sort of setup with uh, with uh, Mount and uh, Madison, don't you? But you know, players like Perez, Kaz uh, mentions Pulisic, um, Hans, Harvey Barnes, uh, Martial. Um, they're all coming through. They could be kind of equally uh, members of a, of a five-man midfield. And FPL Classico asked, you know, do we prefer the Connolly option uh, to pull more money into midfield and go with that 3-5-2? And, you know, Simon puts it well. He says, you know, is the big three a strike force yesterday's news almost because of how things have turned? So, I mean, if we're saying that the premium strikers, Nick, are perhaps not worth considering, is it time to think, well, 3-5-2 is the way to go? Well, that's the strategy I've adopted since I wildcarded. I, I went for the three-five-two. I, I saw it as the um, the best option at the time in terms of my team. And um, Aaron Connolly was the player that I actually brought in as that third striker. I saw this guy who was four point five million that um, just got a brace and thought, you know, we'll bring him in. Um, he seems to be doing a much better job than Mason Greenwood at least, and uh, fitted in nicely. Allowed me to to get in that Leicester cover in the attack and still keep that. Um, it's the same sort of midfield that you have on Mount Mane, um, Sterling and De Bruyne. So for me, the 3 5 2 um, seems to be working quite well so far, and I'm quite happy with the setup. Um, you know, um, in terms of my uh, sort of midfield and the, the amount of money put in there, I think. Um, I think that's where perhaps the best value can be found right now. So, I mean, I'm an advocate at least right now in terms of that setup. So, um, I certainly would um, not put people off um, going down that approach. No, that sense. Change up. Yeah, that certainly makes sense. I mean, it's it really is like basically that third striker versus that fifth midfielder at the moment. We've got a question actually on the fifth midfielder in just a sec, but you know, I I bought Mopay in this week and he's gonna be basically my equivalent to a 
you know, Cal Hudson-Odoi or a Daniel James or something like that playing as my third striker versus fifth midfielder. I'm kind of okay with that. I think the forwards will come back um, to some extent over the next few weeks. Um, but it definitely does seem like a 3-5-2 is kind of being there. But as I said a minute ago, you know, 3-4-3 three, three was all the rage, what, two, three weeks ago. I think it will change again. Um, but, you know, as going back to Kaz's question, there are the likes of Perez and the likes of Pulisic coming through. The three-five-two, I think, at the moment is a right now sort of formation, but I think it still remains to be seen in terms of that kind of fifth midfielder versus that third striker slot, which is going to win out. I still think there's going to be some value in the strikers, but it's kind of like a we shall see right now. I and mean, earlier on, we decided that there are a few players who are going to be sticking around that kind of area. It's about where that value is. Will a 6.0 striker match a 6.0 midfielder? Now, I guess linked to all of this, um, he's not my cousin, is the next question. Uh, so James Corral um, asked us, with budget gens like Connolly and Jordan Ayew emerging up front, uh, pushing to that 3-5-2 I mentioned, is cousin Todd's role as a fifth midfielder over? And uh, Danny uh, FPL suggests that maybe Perez is the man who's coming through. Um, he's clearly read your thread, Nick, over the summer. And uh, he said that, you know, he seems to be starting game wide right. So there's a little bit of interest about this, as I mentioned a second ago. Now disowned cousin Todd, uh, taken off after halftime uh, for, in the Norwich game against Man United. I mean, who is that now, Nick? Do you think that fifth midfielder slot is, uh, is an interesting one? And do you think it could be Perez who comes forward there? Well, yeah, obviously Perez is a little bit um, expensive to be... I mean, if he is your fifth midfielder, you're going to be wanting to start him. I think um, what was good about Cousin Todd was that he could often um, play on the bench or be rotated quite nicely with the fourth defender. And that's what I was doing with him a little bit. I was going between 3-5-2 to to 4-4-2 in a lot of the game weeks. And I think with um, Cousin Todd's... um, output like Pookie he's really sort of gone off the boil in recent weeks hasn't he with sort of five blanks in a row and um, if you do own him still as well you're absorbing a few price falls um, to boot with that so you know I feel like his, his time in the, in, the sun, in the sun does feel like it's ended a little bit and unfortunately off the back of that there hasn't been any midfielders or around that price bracket that really have emerged perhaps um, McTominay who's a um, less value midfielder in the game right now um, needs to be considered um at five million with two goals and one assist. But otherwise, um, there's not really any cheap, cheap midfielders that are really, really impressing and, and getting um, week in, week out returns. And obviously, my dad's seen enough of Din Donker and got rid of him for Hoiberg. But um, I feel like with that, it, you know, the likes of Connolly does sort of um, come into, um, you know, a pretty decent factor. He's a player right now that I'm actually... Um, considering playing ahead of Callum Wilson, for instance, this game week and, and Benji Ooh. Wilson and having that sort of, um, you know, having that sort of um, player in your squads is is good to have. It allows you a little bit of flexibility, even mm. if it does end up with, um, you know, plenty of bench points, as I've seen in the last couple of game weeks. I definitely think that maybe the cousin Todd's time is over. But for me, that leads to a 3 4 3. I'm not too sure. I mean, Danny did mention Perez. I mean, that's definitely one to keep an eye on, especially after the Arsenal game. I mean, Campbell still is quite a decent guy to come off the bench. He's still playing an attacking role. It's just whether or not Hernandez going forward is going to be taking a spot in the team because you don't want your 4.5 million uh, equivalent midfielder being that guy who's going to come off one point or something like that. 
Yeah, very interesting to see how that's going to shape out, I suppose. Right, moving forward, um, United back in the fray, Nick. Uh, FPL Orsimo asks about uh, last week's nitpick, Maguire, Martial and Rashford. Uh, should, we be getting in, should we be getting in on these guys, anticipating the next template? And uh, Dynamite Dons asks, also asked a similar question, you know, are we interested in Martial or are we interested in Rashford? Well, I think just looking at Manchester United fixtures, you do have to consider them. Like Bournemouth, Brighton, Sheffield United, Destin Villa, next four. I mean, that's a really nice round of fixtures. I think certainly Manchester United should be in our in our mind. Um, I was quite pleased to see that clean sheet go um, just because of the sort of punishing impact it would have had on my uh, game week rank just because of the popularity of Manchester United and their players in FPL. But, you know, just looking at some of their options, I think especially with Martial coming back as well, you know, they did look a lot better um, going forwards. And I think certainly they have to be considered and we need to think about them. And, you know, they are a team that... um, a little bit concerned about not owning, trying to just kind of ride through the games. Perhaps Rashford would be a good swap for for Callum Wilson if I can afford it, uh, which I can't. You know, and then Martial in midfield, uh, and then um, the defenders as well. Certainly, I think the defenders um, Maguire would be my pick at the moment. But you know, he hasn't necessarily delivered in terms of FPL points. Um, this season, you know, they haven't kept too many clean sheets. He hasn't got an attacking return so far. So a little bit um, disappointing so far in terms of what he's actually offered in terms of actual FPL points. But the potential certainly is there. Yeah, it is certainly there. Anyone could put three goals past Norwich at this point. I mean, looking at the numbers, it's it's not great for United. It really isn't. I mean, at the moment, they're uh, expected goals from open play. They're in the bottom five for that. They're level with, uh, well, they've been beaten by the likes of Burnley and Wolves. And what's really interesting is comparing their XG from open play with their overall XG figure. Their overall XG figure is 16.35. Um, that puts them in top four. So if anyone quotes the XG for them this week as a positive behind United, just remind them that their XG from open play is 8.24. So just over half of what overall is. It just shows how reliant they are from set players. Those penalties are really, really having a huge impact on the Man United numbers at the moment. They're still a bit desultory. They're still relying on the, you know players running around and looking interested like Scott McTominay. I can see Marshall and Rashford being really interesting punts just because of the fixtures that um, are coming, as you mentioned. But I mean, in terms of FPL Warsmo's question, are they going to be kind of a new dawn? Is it, are we going to see what happened last year when Solskjaer took over? I'm not sure the United are that team that you're going to feel upset about missing out on versus that team that you could happily ignore for the rest of the season. At the moment, I'm kind of inclined to ignore them because they are at awkward prices, prices that you know I could fit in you know, a Jimenez plus having one million left over. I could fit in them out and have one million left over in Martial's case. You know, It provides an opportunity for players who've got that space to bring in a Martial or a Rashford. I think both are good options to answer Dynamite Don's question. But it's, the data is not great and watching them play is not you know, the most fluid attacking sequences I've seen put that way. So, yeah, I'm still a bit wary on them. But if they do start scoring and scoring heavily, and if Martial back is the dynamo, I mean, FPL Strasbourg put up a good uh, graphic match for O2 this week that showed that Martial really had an impact, as this mentioned earlier, being the talisman for that team coming together going forward. We could definitely see that. For me, I'm still okay without them, um, despite the fact that, yeah, they've got good fixtures. All right, uh, next question, Nick. Otter options. Uh, FPL Prince asks, what do people who are still holding him do with Otamendi? 
Well, I mentioned a player earlier that I really like, actually, you know, and that was Wild Concello. And I'd certainly consider perhaps a little bit of a sideways move there. And because I think Otamendi's um, just a couple, um, 0.2 more than Concello. So why not um, use this opportunity to punt on this guy? Because I think I, I think he could easily, um, easily, easily deliver. You know, obviously you've got the Manchester United assets that we mentioned as well, or even the likes of um, Gentle Ben Chilwell, who um, really delivered this uh, game week. He's the same price as well as Otamendi. So he would certainly be one that you should be looking at with um, the Leicester fixtures that we've been talking about. So I think perhaps those are the guys... Um, I'd consider perhaps even the Wolves defender as well. Um, they look a bit shaky at the back and Willie Bolly's injury will not help them, but perhaps you, you could consider one of their players as well, maybe. Yeah, uh, Romain Saiz um, looks like a, a good player there. 4.4 million at the moment, the Swiss International. Um, with, um, yeah, I know, but I mean, at the moment, you probably want the cheap player there, don't you? I mean, 4.4 with Bennett and Bolly out. It looks like Bolly's out for the long term. Yeah, he might as well go for Saiz at 4.4. I think he's a very competent player. It looks like sort of a bit of goal threat about him. But, you know, with Mendy, I mean, you, you've got, you know, Cancelo, you've got the other Mendy um, that you could pull in for Mendy, like I did this week. I mean, after this week in Southampton, I think people are going to be looking at the Manchester defenders again and thinking, oh, should I really keep hold of them? Because they've got Liverpool and Chelsea game at 12 and 13. So just over the horizon there, um, I can imagine people can be less and less interested. So maybe you'd be looking at thinking, well, okay, where do I want to pull my money, Prince? And maybe we want, want to pull your money forward a little bit. You've got sort of Tamori, you've got Sorrentu, both uh, solid options kind of flying around. You can buy those and suddenly have a lot of money for you to do whatever you want elsewhere. I think maybe the thing to think about might, might be to move them to Robertson eventually. Um, I've got um, a Robbo and TAA sort of uh, double up in the mix for Liverpool going forward. I mean, after game after game of 12 against the Man City, they've got an absolutely fantastic run all the way up to game week 22. But it does include a blank in game week 18. Uh, where they don't play any of the teams in top six. So absolutely fantastic Liverpool. Surely that's time to have double up. Um, but we have found out that Matip may be out for quite a while, so maybe that'll be Joel Gomez. But um, yeah, I mean, I'm not sure I'd, I'd be advocating buying Gomez yet until we've seen whether he or Lovren is preferred. But yeah, I mean, there's loads of options for Osmendi is basically the TLDR of my point. I think that, um, yeah, it's almost a good injury to have. Maybe you hold him for this week against Southampton if you have uh, burning issues elsewhere or you only have one free transfer and you've got a decent backup on the bench. But otherwise, you know, you're in hay really with the options you've got. One more question, um, that's from Jots FPL, and he's asked us what the plan is for the next five game weeks. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't know about yourself, Tom, but I, I kind of don't really have a, a plan at the moment. I feel like I'm taking week in, week out in terms of what's going on. You know, there's, there's not too many fixtures ahead that I really need to be thinking about. I'm certainly perhaps considering a a triple up on Liverpool again once they get that Manchester City game out of the way. I'm also considering um, Wolves' assets as well, and perhaps that will tie in nicely with my my transfers this um, this game week, or at least my plans. But at the moment, it very much feels like I'm you know I'm in a bit of a lull with my team. I feel like it's set at the moment. There's not too much to be changing, so I'm probably going to just be quite. Um, you know, a bit of a boring answer, perhaps. Uh, most likely, just going to be sitting pretty with the assets I've got, and um, hope they continue to um, to deliver. I don't know. I think there's definitely been, as you spoke about in the last kind of three podcasts, a, a real 
kind of sense of randomness or a real kind of sense of volatility in the where the points returns are coming from where the profits are coming from so i mean for me it's just a case of ticking off kind of the areas of exposure which were not having a liverpool uh, attacking asset apart from taa for me and um, for you i think you're very well covered and i think you know I long, I long ago gave up any vestige of having a long-term grand plan in FPL because it's such a shifting game. Like there's all the flying parts are always in the air and you always need to be juggling. And I think that having things hanging over you in terms of, I've got to get that guy in eventually, I've got to get that guy in eventually, really are just a bit of a restrictor. Like um, I'll talk about it in just a second, the transfers and captains. But this week I just thought, yeah, okay, I'm just going to buy Mane and just get, get over with, get over and done with. Um, because he was always going to be part of any transfer made going forward and I think oh I had to do it um, but over the next five game weeks that's interesting like I, I just think that I'm I just don't think it's worth having something that far on I think it's just continuing to make I guess an answer to Jock's question logical transfers and continuing to kind of set your team up in a way but I mean it sounds like Mick you've gotten to the point where um, the only danger is over management because you've managed your team to quite a good place and I'm hoping that my, my team is almost there as well so it has been one of those seasons has been very topsy-turvy hasn't it yeah, definitely. I think so. Um, so anyway, yeah, that's that's it for questions. Um, I think it's time for for transfers and captains. So you've you've made a lot of hints in terms of what you've done this week. But do you want to tell the, um, the listeners for definite what you've done? Yeah. All right. So um, if you own Son or if you own Wilson, rejoice! You're going to have a massive return this week. Uh, uh, I've removed them both. Um, I've brought in Neil Morpay, or as I'm calling him, Mopovic, um, because he is this year's Mitrovic. So many shots. He's four for shots overall. Under half of them been on target, just around forty percent. But Norwich have allowed a lot of shots, so surely this is the time uh, where a player like that is going to do something. Said that against Bournemouth, didn't I, for Wilson? So whether that happens is another matter. But yeah, um, I brought him in, but he's mostly been an enabler. He's an enabler to bring in Sadio Mane. Uh, I did Sadio Mane in for the Hungman song. I thought Son was all right. Um, he could easily have got me a brace on another day against Liverpool. Um, but Mane, that transfer has been hanging over me for a long time. It really has, because I think that that was the key mistake of my wildcard was going with uh, Firmino and going with Son over going with Mane and another player. Mm-hmm. It was not a mistake, but it's probably something that in, in hindsight has been proven to be a bit of a, a, a bit of a dodgy call. Um, now, I think that writing that, because I think Mane over the course of the season is going to be a bit of a season keeper, is worth the minus four. And watching him against Spurs, I think, definitely convinced me. And I think after the Mendy, Mendy incident, losing those six points and that transfer becoming a, a write-off rather than a good transfer, a, a stroke of an officiator, bureaucrat's pen. And I kind of felt everything kind of getting to me in terms of FPL a little bit because I haven't really moved from 1.4 million for a couple of weeks. So I kind of thought, well, get my chance out the way. A League Cup is um, probably no, not nothing to worry about really for uh, a lot of managers because a lot of teams are going to be rested, rotated, and a lot of teams are out. Um, so yeah, I thought I'd do the early transfers this week. So yeah, Mope and Mane have come in um, for uh, Son and Callum Wilson. Those are my moves, Nick. Uh, what about you? So yeah, I talked about um, earlier about perhaps even burning a transfer just because I couldn't really think of what to do. Uh, I've been thinking about a little bit actually during the pod and just kind of my my long term plans, I guess. So um, I'm possibly playing Connolly and benching Callum Wilson, as I mentioned, and I, I still might even might even do that. So I might still play Connolly, but I'm thinking uh, there's no point actually burning the transfer if I, I don't really see Callum Wilson in my long-term plans. And the player that I was, obviously I want Jamie Vardy, but I can't afford him. But the player that I was um, strongly considering in terms of long-term was actually Jimenez, and the guy you've got 
but um, I'm considering perhaps just doing that. It was like a week earlier than I planned it because I didn't really want to bring him in for the Arsenal game. So I might even bring him in and bench him. Uh, but, you know, Wolves have a really, really nice run of fixtures. I know there's a little bit of, um, you know, a Europa League hangover perhaps um, because of the fixture congestion they have this particular season. But after Arsenal, they've got, you know, run of really nice games. Aston Villa, Bournemouth, Sheffield United, West Ham, Brighton. And I think him and his, um, fits the bill quite nicely still in terms of that mid-price um, forward line. So he's perhaps going to be the move I make. Perhaps I'll just do Wilson to him and his rather than burning a transfer, which seems a bit pointless, especially if I've got a player like Wilson that I don't really want to keep now, I think. He was there for these two fixtures and he blew it. So um, maybe I'll do Wilson to him and his, but then I might just even still just bench him and his and, and play uh, Conley in a move which will no doubt blow up in my face. But um, <laughs> in terms of... Uh, um, in terms of at least it's a bit more exciting than the, you know just having a full full on tempo. But um in terms of um captains, um it's going to be um Raheem Sterling for me again. Um I'm certainly backing uh, Raheem uh, as I said earlier on in the pod. Um, he's gonna be the man um to captain my team against that quite nice um, fixture they've got against Southampton at home. Just got absolutely pummeled by Leicester. Um what about yourself then for your captain, Tom? Yeah, uh, I'll, I'll be doing the same. I'm just going to Captain Raheem. Keep calm and Captain Raheem. I think that's just, just the way it's going to be. Um, I mean, there was a bit of a flirtation for me last pod. I said, um, if Kevin De Bruyne, we'll see him midweek. If he does surprisingly start against Southampton in the League Cup, then maybe I'll Captain uh, Kevin De Bruyne. But yeah, I think it's going to be Raheem for the time being. Okay, perfect. So um, just to say who we are, we got, who got the assist? Find us on Twitter at WGTA underscore FPO and WGTA underscore Nick. Make sure to listen, subscribe, and give us a review if you've enjoyed um, listening to us. And if you want to join our league, our mini league, the code is EIKX03. Cool. And there's a theme every week. Uh, last week, the theme was editors. Uh, this week, again, amongst the same sort of uh, company in the modern age. Uh, we'll be back next week with Luke Jurdy. Um, my other half got very, very excited about this, getting Jesse from Hollyoaks on the pod. But um, he's uh, over at the Triple Captains pod and uh, getting going this year. So uh, we're very excited to have him on. Very, very much looking forward to that. Um, but in the meantime, hope to see you and we'll speak to you very, very soon. Uh, goodbye. Bye. Oh, it's a goal. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? Sports Social Podcast Network.